Welcome to another episode of Should You Take That Case with your host, Lisa Wade, your friendly neighborhood legal nurse consultant, owner of Wade Nurse Consultants, and creator of our private LinkedIn community, the Attorney Medical Record Resource Group. That is where we get all of our stellar attorney guests. The goal of our show is to be a resource for legal professionals who pursue medical cases by sharing their experience and insights as defense or as plaintiff attorneys. You can catch prior episodes at www.wadenurseconsultants.com slash blog on LinkedIn and on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Born. Now here's the host of Should You Take That Case, Lisa Wade. Hello, hello. We are live today. Welcome everyone to another Medical Record Monday and a brand new episode of Should You Take That Case. The goal of our show is to be a resource for all of you legal professionals out there who pursue medical cases by sharing our experiences and insights or my attorney's experiences and insights as defense or plaintiff attorneys. I am your host, Lisa Wade, friendly neighborhood legal nurse consultant and owner of Wade Nurse Consultants. Think of us when you have those medical record reviews and you need to translate those giant piles into small, easily understood reports. That's what we do at Wade Nurse Consultants. But I am not only the owner of Wade Nurse Consultants, I am also the creator of our attorney medical record resource group. And that's where we get all of our fantastic attorney guests. We use this as an opportunity to get to know one another. And we're going to do that today with Joseph Todd in just a few moments. But before we do that, we're going to scoot over to the comments section, the chat, see if anybody's visiting us live today. Put an A in that chat if you are an attorney. Put a P if you're a paralegal. Put an L if you're a legal assistant. But also, Put a W if you are part of a wonderful group that I am a part of, Women Owned Law. It is a groundbreaking group created to connect and advance women legal entrepreneurs. So visit us at womenownedlaw.org and see if it's the kind of organization you can get behind. Now, has come the time. We are going to introduce our guest for today. Joseph M. Todd is the principal of the law firm Joseph M. Todd PC in Jonesboro, Georgia, where he practices law with his daughter, Jillian Todd. He earned his undergraduate degree from Siena College in Londonville, New York, Mr. Todd received his Juris Doctorate degree from Atlanta Law School. In addition to opening his law practice in Jonesboro, he founded and developed the U.S. Bar Review, which provided a bar review course throughout the United States. 
Mr. Todd has been practicing law in Georgia since 1976, and he has extensive experience in personal injury, medical malpractice, wrongful death, automobile accidents and injuries, truck accidents, and workers' compensation. And Mr. Todd has served as lead and co-counsel in trials both in and outside the state of Georgia. And now I bring to you Joseph Todd. There you are, Joseph. Hey. Let me unmute you first. <laughs> How's everybody doing this day? I think I think we're doing good. Weather's good okay. here in Pennsylvania. How is it in Georgia? Sunny today. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Ooh, wonderful. Yes. Spring yes. has sprung. Yes, it has. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Joseph Todd, we are going to get to talk to you about all of your experiences with medical records and dealing with trials and uh, uh, medical malpractice, all of those issues, we're gonna talk about them. But first we wanna find out all about you. What kind of uh, uh, things led you to become the attorney that you are? And like I said, go back all the way to the crib or to high school or to junior high, wherever it started. How'd you get to be an attorney? Well, it was a kind of a long road to get there, but I got there originally. Uh, now you have to remember, I'm a little bit older than probably most of the people on here. So that just means I've got a little bit more experience. That's all that means. Excellent. But anyway, but anyway I originally started out back when I started out, there was a shortage of teachers. So they, everybody told me, my parents and so forth, go to college to be a teacher. That's where I started out. Fortunately or unfortunately, I did. I played a lot of uh, baseball, both uh, in college and semi-pro. And a lot of the people that I came in contact with were teachers. And for the good or the bad, they discouraged me from the teachers, discouraged me from becoming a teacher for several reasons. But uh, a couple of them already really said, you know, these students don't really want to learn. We got to do discipline, those sort of things. And also, when I would get together with these guys after the ball games, it'd be like, uh, "Yeah, we're this is." It would be mostly in the summertime, and we'd just be talking, and I'd be talking to them. They said, "I said, well, what are you doing with all these three months that you're off? You work nine, and you're off three months. Well, we're out painting houses, cutting grass, and those sort of things." I said, "Are you kidding me?" I said, "You're cutting grass. So you should be just spending those three months, you know, at the beach or something more relaxing and enjoyable." They said, we don't make enough money to do that. Unfortunately, back then, the teachers were underpaid and and just overused and underpaid is what it amounted yeah. to. So they were working and they couldn't even support a family. You want to know the truth of it. So, but anyway, they said, uh, you know, I don't advise it. I, they said, uh, because of these different reasons. So that just, I, I, uh, I um, looked at other avenues, but what really what really uh, got me going was my grandmother. My grandmother is Italian, did not speak very good English. Hmm. And from when I was, when I can think of them, when I was five years old or however I could think of it, she would always say, when you grow up, you either be a doctor or a lawyer. That's all she kept drilling in my head. You'd be a doctor or you'd be a lawyer. And so that's all she kept telling me. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I guess at that point in time, uh, when I talked with the other folks that were teachers, they discouraged me from being a teacher. So, but only from the standpoint, they just made me look at other options. That's all. I mean, 
and and I did. And um, uh, I did not want to be a doctor. Probably wasn't smart enough to be a doctor. So uh, I chose the alternative, which was to be a lawyer. And uh, you know, the good Lord puts you in a position sometimes, and you don't realize it till they put you there, and then you realize why. So uh, so anyway, uh, that's how I got moved in that direction, so to speak. And uh, so I went to, I went and worked with, well, found out what the law was all about. I do a lot of t- um, giving seminars, but I also talk to high school students. Oh, and, you know, and what I encourage anybody, whoever it is, I say, okay, you don't know what you want to do. Then what you need to do is go for free in a, during the summer. Go work for a lawyer, doctor, wh- whoever. You know, if you want to be a teacher, go work for whoever that profession you think. I said, because you got to really know what it's all about. You don't know. People look on TV. They think it's, oh, we, you know, get a case in like a lawyer. We get any case today. Tomorrow we're in court. Case is over with. And, you know, we, we all know that's not the case. And we, we all know that TV is not a true representative of what the profession's all about. So, mm-hmm. so in any event, uh, that got me started in the legal profession, or at least looking into the legal profession. I did, in fact, go. Uh, what to a lawyer at the summer in the summer and spend a few weeks or a month with them just to see what a lawyer does. What's their day consist of? Okay. And I encourage anybody, no matter what profession or, or what you want to do, go find out what it's all about. Because mm-hmm. most of the time you don't know. I even have lawyer friends that went through law school. They graduated. They started practicing law and they were just unhappy. Oh. Okay, and they spent all that time because they never really, they either did it because maybe their parents told them to do it or whatever the reason, but it wasn't really, you know, you have to have, whatever you do in life, you have to have a passion for it. I mean, that's the whole idea. I tell people, no matter what it is, you know, find something you love doing and then try to get away and get paid to do it, right? So, <laughs> that's you know, good everybody, advice. Yeah, everybody wants to be, you know, somebody maybe want to be an artist or they want to be whatever. Well, you know, that's great. And I think you should pursue whatever your dreams and endeavors are. And then you have to usually find a way to get paid for doing it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Because you have to live. And uh, and unfortunately, that's just part of it. So uh, so anyway, that's that's what I encourage people to do. You know what I'm saying? But that's what I did. And fortunately, like I say, I um, I uh, was able to, you know, start becoming, uh, go to law school. Mm-hmm. And I, I can, I got to tell you one quick story. Uh, because like I say, I've been around the block a few times, but I'm originally from New York. And all that means is that, uh, you know, I'm used to a street fight. You know what I'm saying? In other words, and what I mean by that, not literally, not literally fighting, but, you know, having to survive. Okay. Fortunately, fortunately, uh, I came from, my family was very poor. Uh, I call it like, uh, my parents were, you know, during the depression, you know, mm-hmm. I went, when I was going to school, I had two pair of pants. I had one pair of pants to wear during the week and I had one pair of pants to wear on Sunday. Two mm-hmm. pair of shoes, same thing. You know, people don't, people don't understand what that means. It only means that, you know, uh, when I was growing up, I wasn't jealous of anybody. I just said, I want to be like that person. I want to be, you know, where, where I'm able to survive, where I'm not just, uh, in that situation. So, but it made me a better person, uh, you know, because I had to fight for everything that I, that I got, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so forth. So when I was growing up, I didn't have anything. And uh, so, uh, like I said, so that's how I was brought up. And, you know, a couple quick things, you know, I'm from New York, you know, 
temperature uh, up there and the, it was snow, snow back there in the wintertime. So I'm about eight years old. My dad says, let's go out. You got to help me change the, uh, change the brakes on my car. And so this is like, you know, it's about 10 degrees below zero. Uh, we're out, yeah. we're out in about, you know, six or eight inches of snow. So my dad says, yeah. So I get out there and, you know, we can't even hardly feel, feel our fingers. We're freezing. So I said to my dad, why, why don't we get somebody to, to do this? Why are we out here freezing cold? Why are we changing brakes? I said, why don't we get somebody? He said, son, we can't afford it. He said, we have to do it. I have to do it you know, myself. So I'm about, like I said, I'm probably seven years old. We get back inside, warm up, get a cup of cocoa, whatever we had. So I said to my dad, I said, dad, I said, you know, I don't know what, I, what I'm going to be when I grow up. I said, but I do know one thing. I'm going to be making enough money that somebody's going to be changing my brakes. <laughs> I'm not going to be changing my brakes. You know what I'm saying? All right. All right. And so it started early. <laughs> started very early. So anyway, uh, make a long story short, I got uh, accepted here in Georgia. This is, how I, this is how I got to become a lawyer, and this is how I got my start. So I had never been to Georgia in my life, okay? And uh, my parents, they were a little skeptical, especially my mom. Uh, I got accepted to school down here. And back then, that was the only night school in the United States, was the only night school. There was no night schools anywhere, law schools, okay? So that was the reason. I could not afford it. So anyway, I got I got accepted down here in Georgia in a night law school. So I worked three jobs during the day to go to law school at night, and that's what I did. So I came down to Georgia, moved down here. I had my car, a little Corvair, uh, with my clothes in it, make my trip down here to Georgia. I didn't know anybody. So I got down here, got got in, went to school, started school. So uh, at that point in time, uh, after my it was my first year, I was looking for a job down here to work in a law firm. Well, back then it was even worse. If you didn't, you the only way you get a job in a law firm is if you know somebody, if you're related to them or you know somebody. Otherwise, you didn't get a job. I was not able to get a just a job. I was not able to get anything. So anyway, I, I uh, looked around, couldn't get anything. Finally, uh, somebody directed me down here where I'm in, I'm in Jonesboro, Georgia. That's where my office is. So anyway, I meet this, uh, they introduced me to this uh, lawyer. Uh, he's a sole practitioner. And so he says to me, he says, uh, I go talk to him. Very nice individual, very smart individual. I says, what I'm really looking for is somebody that I can work for that I can train. So when I graduate, I can go, I'll be a hit the ground running. I'll know what I'm doing. So any event, he says, um, and this is another lesson, life lesson. He says, well, you know, I'd really love to hire you. I says, but I can't afford you. I can't afford to pay you. I said, okay. And so anybody that goes to an interview, this is just a side bit. You know, what you do is you find out why they can't hire you. Okay. Why can't you hire me right now? Whatever the reason they give you, you remove that. You remove that obstacle. So I said, okay. I said, that's not a problem. I said, I'm going to work for you for free. He said, what? I said, yeah, I'm going to work for you for free. I said, I'm going to work for you for free for two weeks. And if I haven't, if I haven't, you know, brought in business, if I haven't, so, you know, got enough business there so you can pay me, I said, I'm going to shake your hand. Thank you for the opportunity. And we'll go our separate ways. We'll be friends forever. So anyway, he said, okay. He said, how could you refuse it, right? I'm going to work for free. So how can he refuse that? I okay. don't think he can. <laughs> he couldn't. So anyway, 
comes Monday morning. What are your hours? Nine to five. I said, okay. So eight o'clock, I'm there at the office. I open up the office at eight o'clock. He isn't even there yet. I open up the office. It was just a small office, him, his wife, and myself. His wife served as a secretary. So at eight o'clock, eight o'clock, I'm there, and I open up the office, and I'm there straightening my desk and getting everything. He comes in at nine o'clock. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm getting my desk ready. I'm getting everything ready that I got to get ready. So I'm going to be able to perform and operate, you know, come nine o'clock. I'll have all the side stuff done. Okay. And so he said, okay. So at three o'clock in the afternoon, uh, they would go down to a little a luncheonette, kind of like what would a hundred years ago was like a Starbucks. Everybody met there in the afternoon and they had coffee and they would just talk and whatever. So anyway, he says to me, he says, uh, why don't you come down and I'll meet you. I'll introduce you to some people. I said, no, let me, let me stay here and answer the phone and see if I can bring any business in. So at three o'clock he leaves, he goes down between three and three thirty. I get, I, I get a client. I get somebody in there on a divorce. And, uh, so, uh, I get the lady, get her to you know, schedule an appointment that day at five, get her in there. So he comes back at three thirty, and he says, uh, How'd it go? I said, good. I said, I got us a new client. I said, they're coming in at five o'clock. I said, so, uh, you know, we need to go ahead and get, get her taken care of, get her signed up, whatever. Five o'clock, she comes in, he signs her up. So that was my first case I got for him. So, uh, next day, that day, oh, that day he closes at five. So at five o'clock, I didn't leave. I was still there. He said, well, we're closing up shop. I said, no, I'm going to be here another hour. I stayed there till six. I said, I'm going to get all my forms together. I said, I'm going to have everything organized. So when this client, when these clients come in, I'll have all the forms and everything ready and we'll be able to take care of these people. No problem. So I stayed there till six. He left at five. Next day, Tuesday, same thing in the morning. I'm there at eight o'clock. Same thing happens. He's there at nine o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon. He leaves and goes. He says, why don't you come down? I said, no, I'm going to be staying here working, seeing if I can you know, get any people. Same thing happens. I give him another case between three and three thirty. I'm answering the phone, you know, bringing in people. These are people that he would have missed because he would normally close from three to three thirty, go get coffee, close up the office, right? So I bring in another client. Same thing. That day, get her signed, get her to sign up or come in at uh, five o'clock and she comes in, get her, her signs up. That same day, I leave at six o'clock. So Wednesday happens. Comes in, he comes in, and he says, uh, I want to hire you. So the third day I got hired because it was because, and I go back to, this was at the time that the, the uh, movie, the, the Godfather was in, uh, the Godfather was there. And I said, uh, what I did is I just made him an offer he couldn't refuse. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't know if you remember the line there, but in there they made the guy an offer he couldn't refuse. So in any event, that's how I started my legal career. Well, went to school at night, worked during the day, and that's how it all started. And uh, so then, of course, I graduated, uh, still worked with him for the next three years, uh, you know, got to be able to do everything. Just I was a lawyer, just I couldn't go to court back then. You couldn't go to court. And I mean, actually argue a case, but I did. But that's how I got my, uh, you know, broke in and got all the experience to begin with. And so, therefore, that's how it all started. Then I passed the bar and went into practice with him for a while. And then he actually ended up, uh, he, his um, in-laws had a bank 
and he uh, went to work at the, in the banking business and as opposed to practicing law. And then I went out on my own, went, went with another fella and then started my practice and, uh, and went from there. So that's kind of a long way of telling you that's where I came from. And of course, the good thing about it is uh, I look at it this way. I mean, that's what, that's what makes you or breaks you. And, uh, you, you have to find a way to survive and to make it work. And so I found a way to survive, found a way to make it work. And fortunately, that's where we started. Uh, once I, uh, pra- once I, uh, passed the bar, became a lawyer, then it was a determined, okay, what area of law do I want to go into? Initially, uh, I started out in the, uh, doing criminal law, domestic was, that's my start. That just because this particular area that I practice in, that was the primary focus down here. Uh, that was the legal uh, end of it, that they focused in the criminal area and domestic relations. I did that for about a year. I think I did mostly just that. But then I found out that that wasn't quite as rewarding. And I started looking around and I got enamored with trying to help people even more uh, primarily victims, you know, people that were victims of either, <clears throat> whether it be auto accidents or workers' comp or people that were injured and needed help. And that's how I kind of migrated over to the uh, area of personal injury, whether it be, like I say, I've done all types of personal injury, whether it be malpractice or uh, products liability or auto accidents, those sort of things. I've done pretty much all of that throughout my career. But that's what that's why I went into that field. Uh, because I felt that I was helping people. I got more satisfaction uh, from helping people. I wasn't so much worried. Uh, like, for instance, the other cases, you have to be more worried in a domestic and criminal about getting your money, getting paid. This way here, if you do the work and you're successful, the insurance companies, you know, you're going to get paid. And the insurance company's there to make sure that, uh, you know, that does happen. So, and that's the reason I started out that way. And when we end, I'll tell you about the story about my first medical malpractice, well, second medical malpractice case, I should say. The first one, um, I had, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no clue, uh, but I did, I took this case on. I probably shouldn't have taken it on, but I took it on just for the experience of it. So anyway, I had my client, he was, he worked for AT&T. He climbed a pole and uh, he got um, injury, got vertigo. So uh, he was uh, he couldn't go up and down the poles anymore is what it amounted to. But anyway, uh, because he had had this uh, bout where he went into the hospital and the doctors did not, they let him go. They did not treat him right away. And he started bleeding and they had to go in and cauterize his nose and whatever. Anyway, he developed vertigo from all this. So he could no longer, he could go back to work, but he could no longer climb poles, things he couldn't do. Anyway, normally I wouldn't take that case because of the cost and expense involved in it. But I got his doctor, his treating doctor, to, to be an expert witness and testify. So anyway, we go to court, and uh, I go against, you know, this is my first case. I've never handled a medical malpractice case. But it was I was going to use this as a springboard to find out how to do it, what to do it, and was for the experience of it. Uh, so anyway, I did use it for that purpose, and I was up against one of the big law firms downtown Atlanta. They had a hundred people on their letterhead, okay. And I was up again—I was like new out of uh, law school, and I was up against a guy that had forty or fifty years of experience. In any event, we had to try that case, and just a little bit about it. I mean, like I told you, I brought in the, my client, 
had him testify, had the doctor testify about what happened and why the why the other side, the hospital was negligent, the doctor was negligent. So we go to uh, we go to the jury, and I asked the jury for eighty five thousand dollars. You're talking many many years ago. I'm talking forty five years ago. So I I said to him, and I didn't know. Again, like I say, this is my first case. I don't even know what I'm doing, but yeah, I'm muddling through it. So anyway, I asked for eighty five thousand dollars. So the jury goes out, they come back, and they give me $85,000, exactly what I asked for. So, uh, And so afterwards, I got to talk to the jury, and they said, you did a great job, blah, 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 so forth and so on. I said, well, I asked for $85,000. You gave me eighty five. They said, yeah. They said, if you would have asked for one hundred and twenty-five, we would have gave you one hundred and twenty-five. So I learned a valuable lesson there about, you know, when you go to when you go before a jury, you know, what I'm saying you better have a pretty good idea of what you want, and don't be scared if your case warrants it. You know, what I'm saying at that time I didn't know eighty-five thousand dollars was a lot of money back then, and so I was kind of skeptical. I didn't want to think the jury think that I was a gold digger, but on the other hand, you know, but I, I learned from that, so so that was good. So, but since that time, I've handled a lot of uh, cases, medical cases. And, uh, you know, obviously, like everything else, one of the most important things is, you know, that you have to be uh, ready and you have to work on your case. You know what I'm saying? It's preparation, preparation, preparation. I mean, that's the bottom line, no matter what you do. You know what I'm saying? So why should you take a case? Well, you have to screen these cases, especially nowadays, you know, medical malpractice cases, which I've handled I mean, they will cost a hundred thousand dollars upfront money. You know, you've got to hire all kinds of experts, medical consultants, records, you know, all those sort of things you have to have. And so you can really, you know, put a lot of money into it. And, uh, so you want to make sure that you do your preparation, preparation, make sure that you number one, have a good case, a winnable case, because obviously that's where you're going to get paid. And also the money that you're putting out when you take it on a contingency fee basis, you're responsible to upfront that money. If you lose, you're, you're out, you know, you're out. So, uh, so as we know, preparation, preparation, preparation. So that's what you need to do in any of these, any case. And more importantly, in these cases, because when you get into medical negligence or even a, a auto accident case, you know, that's your primary focus is going to be on the person's injuries. So you got your medical records, medical bills, those sort of things. So you obviously have to go through them in great detail so you know what you're doing, know your case inside and out. So that's a very valuable lesson there. You have to be prepared. Uh, you have to know as much about your case than anybody and prepare it accordingly, you know. I can't hear you. There, there I'm better. <laughs> now I can hear you. You have led an interesting and 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 a winding journey as far as your yes. your career goes, and uh, uh, you have got a lot, gleaned a lot of information that I'm sure all of these attorneys uh, that are watching today are eating up, or will be watching on well, the replay. <laughs> exactly. Well, hopefully. Like I say, the main thing you want to do is, you know, make sure you look at your case and you, you know, most people understand what you have to do to go ahead. You have to prepare, make sure that you got everything, you know, all the facts that you evaluate it. Because once you decide to take the case, you could be stuck with it. You know what I'm saying? 
And uh, yeah. And so you have to know that in order to uh, make sure that you screen your cases, because that's very important to screen your cases to make sure you got a viable case, make sure you know as much about your client. That's a lot of people don't. I investigate my client because a lot of times they don't tell you everything. You know, you don't learn it until you have their deposition. The other side uncovers, does their investigation. And, oh, this person has been involved in two other accidents, but they didn't tell me. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's going to affect your that's going to affect their case. Or they didn't tell me about a slip and fall they had on the ice, hurt their back. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you know, not only prepare your case as far as the other party is concerned, but you also have to make sure that you do preparation with your own client because a lot of times they don't tell you the whole story. Sometimes it may just be a, a, a maybe a witch call where they forgot about it. Mm-hmm. You know, they just forgot all about it. It doesn't matter. Obviously, that was, you know, you need to know those things, whether they've been involved in other accidents, what kind of pre-existing injuries do they have? You know, that's why you have to get your med- I I do like I do. I call, I ask them, where have you ever been to the hospital? When you were born up until today, what have you been? And then I'll go ahead and get all those records, you know, from the hospital, whatever they've been. And if that's been totally unrelated, that's fine. Because in those medical records, you'll glean, you know, their past history, past complaints, those sort of things. So it's invaluable to make sure that you uh, don't always, I'm not going to say don't believe. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that you make sure you investigate your client because a lot of times, sometimes they just forget about it. Okay. And mm-hmm. other t- other times they may not be for, they may have forgot about it or they may have left out things. So that's why it's important that you go ahead and make sure that you investigate your client just as well as you investigate the other party to make sure that your client's trustworthy and that your client's believable, all those sort of things that it takes in order to win your case. You know, they have to be credible. They have to be credible. Well, I'm glad you mentioned those medical records because I wanted to know, is there a specific uh, kind of protocol or procedure that you use when those medical records come up in, in all these types of cases that you manage? Yes, those are very important. So usually now we have staff members that normally take care of that. What I mean by that is we have a paralegal. She's a, a we have a paralegal as a pre-lit. And so for the most, most of the time now, uh, previously before I did, a lot of times I would get consultants. If I have a big case, you know, I mean, I would hire somebody like yourself to, to get the medical records. So they would be all organized and, and all that. Because if you have a big case, you know, that's going to take an enormous amount of time. Your staff, they don't have the time to do all that. Mm-hmm. So if it's, a, if it's a bigger case, I will consult with, hire, you know, nurse consultants in order to organize my records and to um, not only organize them, but to go through them, summarize them, think, you know, I'll tell them what I need for them to do, and then they'll do that. And like mm-hmm. I said, that's spe- especially in bigger cases where, you know, we got voluminous records. You know, if it's in a normal case, you know, my staff, they're trained, but yet, you know, we have problems with getting medical records. We have the protocol that as soon as the person comes into the office and they get signed up, if they've gone to the hospital, obviously we immediately request the hospital records. If they start medical treatment, we usually go ahead and obviously get that from the beginning as early as possible because you have to do two things. Not only a lot of times the client doesn't know, you have to meet with them to let them know okay, what are they complaining about? What kind of medical issues? And then if you have to send them to, a, let's say, a specialist, 
to either have an MRI or CAT scan or whatever the case may be. A lot of times they don't know, you know, or they, or they have to have an injections or whatever. So you have to help them, you know, and kind of explain to them the roadmap of what treat, what their treatment consists of. So they're getting everything that they need and uh, understand why, you know, you're explaining that to them and what they need in order to get the best medical care. Cause obviously we want to get them well as, you know, and feeling as well as they can. So therefore you want to be able to make sure and to ensure that they get the, the medical uh, treatments that's, that's necessary. So that all comes down to the medical records. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have to be as a lawyer. I mean, you, unfortunately you have to be a jack of all trades and you have to know those things. Just like your medical records. Okay. You know, what's in the medical records, what's contained in there. What, you know, what are the other options uh, that you have as far as treatment is concerned or testing or things of that nature. So we glean that all from the medical records. They're, that's telling us that not only what's going on presently, but as importantly, what has happened in the past. You know, if they've had uh, auto, auto accidents or workers' comp injuries or these sort of things, obviously that's very important because the insurance company is going to find out about it and they're going to use that against your client. So you better know about it so it's not a surprise to you. Ah, that's, that's, that sounds good. But getting those records, it does, does sound like diving into them, grabbing out all of the details of your, uh, your client's injuries. That is helpful for you to, to, to know their past history, uh, uh, before the, before the accident, before the injury. And that helps you support and, and, and maintain your case. Exactly, because when the evaluation takes place, the insurance company is going to know about it. You better know about it so you can counteract that, whatever you have to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I got one question. When you dive into those records, do you find anything? Do you have a pet peeve, something that annoys you the most when you are uh, trying to get all of the details out of those medical records? Well, I mean, the first problem is you have nowadays all these hospitals, all they have these different systems that you have to go through to get the medical records. So that's a hassle in and of itself. Like for instance, here in Atlanta, you have Emory Hospital, you have different hospitals. So if the doctor works for that hospital, you know, they kind of dictate to him what to do, what not to do. So it's, it's a lot of bureaucracy to try yeah. to get those records. You know what I'm saying? So that's a problem to begin with. You know, we have to constantly request, sometimes four or five and six, seven times to request to get the records. You know, they don't give they don't give them right away or they don't, you know, you have to stay on top of them to get them. So that's what, that's the main thing there. Obviously, as far as the records themselves, um, you know, I mean, once you get them, that's, that's half the battle is just getting the records. You know, obviously you have to go through them and depending upon the doctors, whether you can read them or translate them, you know, sometimes, like I say, we'll get, a medical consultant like yourself to come into, okay, look at these records. I can't make heads or tails out of them. And so to get you to decipher, summarize them and decipher what, what's going on here, you know, mm-hmm. it just makes it a little easier as opposed to me trying to figure it all out. All so, right. Well, definitely. That's what I love to do. Yeah. <laughs> I can do that for you anytime. Just yeah. uh, well, you you are a wellspring of information, advice, yeah. and uh, 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 and experience, definitely. And you've shared so much with uh, our viewers so far. But how, 
is there anything else, anything that you have missed, any other advice that you um, have for new or veteran attorneys regarding medically ca medically related cases and whether they should take them and manage them? Uh, tell us more. Okay. Well, obviously, part of that comes to, through organization. You have to have a, some kind of system in place to screen the clients. And then once you screen the clients, if you take the case, then you have to be organized in order to have a file that contains all the different information. You want to put the statute of limitations, obviously, because there's different statutes that you have to deal with in your in your uh, in your district or in your state. OK, then you want to go ahead and find out how much medical insurance and when I say medical insurance, liability insurance, the other party has, because if they only have minimal insurance, let's say they only have twenty five thousand dollars worth of insurance and your person's got twenty five or fifty thousand dollars in, in medical bills. You can see where that'd be a problem. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There's not even enough insurance to cover what the person suffered to do. So these are just preliminary things that probably most people know about. But as being organized and being prepared uh, that I mentioned to you before is one of the things that you need to stay on top of. And that's so what we do is have a system. Uh, we have a filing system that accounts for all that medical records, dates, times. Okay. If in 30 days, Okay, two things. That file will either come across my desk. Somehow I'll be looking at that file to see what's what. So let's just say my secretary of paralegals requested the medical records 30 days ago, and we don't have them. Well, that is going to come up right there. So you're going to have these different timeline, okay, to make sure that those that information, you're getting it. So that's all part of the process. And then, of course, keeping in contact with your client, that's one of the most important things and one of the most important things that I do, uh, I'm, I'm going to say, if not the most important, maintain constant contact with my client. And that is very, very, very important for several reasons. Number one is, and I taught, my daughter works with me and I, what I do every night at six o'clock, whatever the case may be, when I get back to my office from court, whatever I'm doing, what do I do? Return my phone calls. I make oh, it a point. I return my phone calls. Why? Because the number one complaint of clients is that attorneys don't return their phone calls. Oh. So I'm one of the few that do, that that I do because I make it a point, right? Because that avoids a lot of problems, a lot of hassles. Even the clients say, well, I haven't heard from you or whatever. And usually I have my my secretary. I said, if that's you, if the client calls me twice, and I haven't returned their call, then that needs to be red flagged. I need to get, that's like pri top priority, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's one of the main things that the clients complain about. Attorneys don't return their phone calls. So mm -hmm. I make it a, I make it a point that I re every day I return my phone calls. Now, sometimes I can't reach them. I leave a message, whatever the case may be, but I've done that. You know what I'm saying? And that mm -hmm. goes a long way to maintaining good client relationships. You know, most of my business is, I've been around a number of years, but most of my business comes from referrals. And I try to I try to do the best I can to bend over backwards. You know, I mean, obviously, to do everything I can for the clients because they appreciate it. They appreciate it. And, oh. and uh, so, like I say, so that's the other thing: maintain close contact for all those reasons. A lot of times, like I say, you know, I get to know them. I get to know their families. You know, what I'm saying a lot of now. I've been in practice so long. I've represented their mothers and their fathers. That now I represent their daughters and their grandchildren. And that sort of thing. So the good thing about it, you know, I've got a network right there of people that, you know, referrals 
built-in referrals. Hmm. You know, that's very, very helpful. And that keeps generating business, you know, with these folks. So, yeah, so that's another thing to implement, you know, to have a system in place that you can service your clients, you know what I'm saying? And that uh, obviously that you maintain contact with them, you know, and I will send them periodically. Like I say, these files come across my desk every 30 days. If I see there's been no activity or a little, very little activity for whatever reason, I'll just shoot my client a, either an email or a letter saying, Hey, how you doing? Just call to follow up. You know, how you feeling? Do you have any questions or anything I can do to help you? Just to let them know I'm working on their case. Excellent. Well, you, it, it's been wonderful having you here. You have, are a full of, uh, of experience and knowledge. And I'm sure everybody is so happy to, to have a chance to, to yeah. hear you. And it's now it's time for a little Q and A. This is the time where let, we, let me, ask- let me, I'll be happy to answer any questions. I, before I forget, I want to give this one little short story. Can I do okay. that? Go for it. Anyway. This is a medical malpractice case that I handled. I was probably in practice about maybe two or three years. So this happened here in Clayton County. True story. Uh, I represented the little child that uh, uh, medical malpractice, the doctor, they were supposed to have the anesthesiologist on call here at the hospital so they could get here within 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Jonesboro's here. Atlanta's on the north side. Take you about an hour or more to get up to Atlanta. Okay. So what happened, unfortunately, the child, the mother went into labor here at the hospital and she, uh, the, the doctor, the anesthesiologist couldn't make it down here in time. All right. You're supposed to be able by law, they're supposed to be here by within 30 minutes. They couldn't get here in 30 minutes. The doctor had to go in with forceps. He did. He delivered the baby. Unfortunately, the baby had brain damage. So make a long story short, you know, we sued the doctor, sued the hospital. So this thing has to go to trial after all the discovery and everything. So Monday comes our experts from Michigan, okay, expert doctor. He flies down here Monday. So uh, after we picked a jury, he flies down. He testifies on that Monday. He testifies on that Monday. He testifies in, in Monday night. He leaves and goes back to Michigan. So he's obviously supposed to come back Tuesday for trial. He says, I'm not coming back. He says, he says I've got other I'm leaving in two days and I've got other patients and blah, 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 blah. What are we going to do now? This doctor who's our expert. Okay. And we've now spent three years or four years preparing this case. So he says, I'm not coming back. So I don't know what we're going to do. So anyway, first thing Tuesday morning, I call the other lawyer. We all meet, meet with the judge and tell him the problem. I said, how are we going to resolve it? Now we could have, they could have declared a mistrial. At that point, they either started all over or whatever. But everybody, we already had picked a jury and nobody wanted to do that. Okay, we wanted to find a way if there was a way to get around it. So the judge, he was livid. He said, if that doctor steps foot in the state of Georgia, I'm going to put him in jail, hold him in contempt. I'm putting him in jail. So if he steps foot in Georgia ever again, he says, I'm going to put him in jail. So I get with the other side and I said, what are we going to do? I said, uh, nobody wanted to do a mistrial. I said, we've gone all this way. We've picked a jury. So anyway, what ended up happening, I had already finished with them on my direct. We just need to cross-examine them. So anyway, I said, well, what if I can get, fly everybody up to Michigan uh, tomorrow and we take his, take his you take his deposition for cross-examination? 
I said, then you would get you you know you would get what you wanted, and we'd have it on video and whatever, blah blah blah. Make a long story short, we ended up the other attorneys. We worked together. That's what we ended up doing at a high cost to me. I had to pay their plane fare. You know, right. I, I can't even remember how much the bill was. Probably ten grand because I had to go Ooh. that next day. I had to fly them. I had to fly myself. I had to fly the court reporter. All that up there to get all that. But that's what we ended up doing. Mm-hmm. I ended up paying for everybody to go there. We took the doctor's dep. They took the doctor's deposition for cross examination. Came back down, and then we resumed the trial. So that's how the trial continued. But that's what something came up. Obviously, it's never happened to me, but before. But uh, the doctor was adamant he wasn't coming back after we had paid him all this money. Oh, uh, you know, it was it was something wild. And mm-hmm. uh, so anyway, make a long story short. Um, you know, we did. We went forward with the trial. You know, that was their defense. The jury didn't buy it. I didn't think they would. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we got a judgment, three point one six million dollars. Oh, the highest verdict here in in Jonesboro at the mm-hmm. time. This still stands the time for a medical malpractice on a obstetrics case. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so we we get the judgment. In the meantime, while the jury was out, the the uh, doctor he he flees. He leaves. He oh. leaves. He, he leaves the state of Georgia. He goes to wherever. We don't know where he's at. So right. fortunately, fortunately, the uh, the hospital had insurance. And yeah. uh, so anyway, uh, just another side note. So we get the, we win. We get the judgment. So then the insurance company says, well, we're appealing this. So I talked to my clients. I said, these people are not going to go very long with this case. I said, why? I said, because the interest on it, it was like uh, $300,000 interest on on that type of judgment it was like $375,000. I said, these people are not going to go very long. You know, they're going to, they're going to try to test them. Excuse me. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. They're going to try to test them. So I said, but no, we're not going to fall for that. I said, because these people are going to pay because the interest is going to kill them alive. Mm. I said, let them, if they, if it takes, if it takes two years, that's going to be another million dollars in interest. They're going to have to pay. It was like $375,000 uh, for, like six months or whatever it was, the interest on the judgment. Mm-hmm. So I said, they're not going to go along with that. So anyway, so they said, well, we're going to appeal this thing and we're going to drag this to the court. You know what I told them? I said, okay. I said, that's good. If you need an extension of time, you can delay that. I said, because the interest on that is going to eat you alive. So, you know, so after about three months, they were like, what can we do to get this case settled? We want to get this case settled. I said, mm-hmm. you need to pay the judgment. Okay. And so I said, I'm not giving you any discount on the judgment. I said, but if you want to pay it right now, I said, we'll cut a little bit off on the interest, you know, because the interest now had mounted up to a couple hundred thousand dollars just mm-hmm. in the interest, right? And so anyway, make a long story short, they went around for another month or two. Then they called me one day and say, how much do we owe you to the penny? We're going to send a courier down here with the check. And so they said that day by five o'clock, I had the check for the, the, uh, Three million plus mm-hmm. on there. You know what I'm saying? Excellent. So, yeah. So excellent. that worked out well. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So I wanted to get that in there before uh, we finish, but I'll be happy to answer any questions. No problem. Well, yeah. like I said, this is the time for anybody yeah. out there that's listening. If you have any questions, get them ready and get ready to put them inside the the chat. And Joseph Todd's gonna answer them. Sound good? Sounds good to me. 
All right. Now, while we are waiting for everybody to get their questions, put them in the chat. Now it's time for what I call a little sponsor break, where we talk about weight nurse consultants and what we do here. Without a review and summary of the medical records, it may be harder to know if you should take that case. And at Wade Nurse Consultants, we give a one to two page synopsis and opinion regarding the merits of these medical cases. We're right now we're having a offering a free 20 minute medical record strategy call to help you hone an efficient, timely and cost effective routine around your medically related cases. And what you'll do is click on the link that you'll find in the description box of this YouTube channel and schedule that consultation. And now let's scoot back over and see, Joseph Todd, if there are any questions for your Q&A, not yet. But I have a method of dealing with this. It's, it's ingenious. <laughs> what I do is I put in the description box of this YouTube channel, all of your contact information. So if anybody is catching you or catching this show on the replay, they dive in there, get your contact information and contact you directly with any questions that they may have for you. Does that sound like a good idea? Fantastic. I'll be happy to answer any questions. Feel free to have them send any questions they may have. Perfect. Well, I think we're winding up right now okay. and I'm just going to give a little reminder to everybody. Thank you again for coming. And uh, just a little reminder to everyone. If you have any questions for Joseph Todd, to check out his contact information in the description box of this YouTube channel and reach out to him and ask those questions. If you have any questions about legal um, nurse consulting, reach me at my email, lisa at wadenurseconsultants.com. Please like this channel and uh, uh, please, oh, oh time, I'm sorry, <laughs> turn on your notifications so you can uh, subscribe, turn on your notifications and come back to see us the next time we are going to be airing. Thank you again for coming, Joseph Todd. Can I ask you, will you come again? I'd be more than happy to. It was a pleasure being here, sharing this information, and I'd be happy to come back anytime. Perfect. Perfect. Now, everybody like subscribe, and catch us next week for a brand new episode of Should You Take That Case, Monday, 515 Eastern Standard Time. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for Thank coming. You. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Should You Take That Case with your host, Lisa Wade, your friendly neighborhood legal nurse consultant, owner of Wade Nurse Consultants, and creator of our private LinkedIn community, the Attorney Medical Record Resource Group. That is where we get all of our stellar attorney guests. The goal of our show is to be a resource for legal professionals who pursue medical cases by sharing their experiences and insights as defense or as plaintiff attorneys. You can catch prior episodes at www.wadenurseconsultants.com blog. 
on LinkedIn, and on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel and sharing this show with others. 